We'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for May 6, 2018. Next, this is going to be a uh, video audio thing. You can watch it, obviously. I'll give you the link, but it's demons manifesting through celebrities uh, caught on camera. So I'm going to go ahead and just roll this and um, we will look at that. Hollywood's obsession with homosexuality has grown to an all-time high. More and more, we are seeing LGBT characters on our TV screens. It's now harder to find a TV show that doesn't normalize homosexuality. Modern Family features two gay dads. Grey's Anatomy features a married lesbian couple in which one of the partners turns out to be a bisexual. The it shows all these like women and guys getting married and stuff and all this disgusting garbage that's just commonplace now. Normal, a sitcom about a young gay couple who opt to have a child through surrogacy. Brothers and sisters also inject a gay couple. Grownish, ABC's spin-off of Blackish, the main character's classmate comes out as bisexual. Heathers, a reboot of the 1980s movie, features a lesbian and a gender queer. Other shows include Pretty Little Liars, Black Lightning, Will and Grace, and the list goes on and on. Matter of fact, you can barely turn on the TV without seeing a representation of homosexuality. How far will society continue to go down this dark road? From Thomas Edison's 1895 short film featuring two men dancing. Ooh, I mean, I, I never saw this. Thomas Edison, 1895, has two men dancing. I mean, they're not just, you can see them. They're dancing like, like they're like, glued together it's not like they're they've got arms length or whatever and there's some guy playing a violin in the background or whatever but i mean it's creepy and i mean i understand thomas edison was a high level occultist i could do a whole study on on him so that probably has a lot to do with this garbage too but again this is like the foundation of modern day pictures and it's like one of the first things you'd ever see and and it has two guys dancing together implying you know that they're gay it's really creepy David's erotic thriller Mulholland Drive. Homosexuality and gay characters have always been a part of the movies. Hollywood is basically run on homosexual fuel. The editors at, at, at the magazines, the, the producers, the actors, there's so much homosexual fuel in this town. Part of the appeal to the American public, the movie going public, uh, is seeing a, a star in a role thinking, he would fall in love with me. They want to blur the line between reality and the movie, and they want to be the lady up there on the screen, and, and they do have this fantasy, if only I were in that role. So you can see the danger this would impose on kids who are watching these shows and movies, the brainwashing Hollywood does to one's mind, making it seem like an ideal romance by instilling imaging that goes against nature and our biological self. This is a slippery slope that is only going to get worse. Beyonce should have said, who run the world? Gays. Because they, they everywhere, man. I mean, I'm a conspiracy. This is David Chappelle, a comedian. Um, he's being interviewed on some talk show. There is to a degree. Like, when I, I connect dots that maybe shouldn't be connected, I don't know. But certain dots, like when I see that they put every black man... And the movie's in a dress at some point in their career. I'll be connecting them down like, wow, all these brothers got to wear a dress. That's happened to me. I'm doing a movie with Martin. Yeah. 
the movie's going. They do it with white guys too, but they they do a lot with black guys as well. So I walk in the trailer. I'm like, man, this must be the wrong trailer because there's a dress in here. So he was working on a movie, and and um, he he goes into his trailer, his you know, because they typically have like their own trailers, the bigger stars on a movie set, and there's a dress in there waiting for him to be put on. They come in. The writer comes in. I think he's the writer. He's like, Dave, listen, we got this hilarious scene where Martin's sneaking out of jail. So he disguises you as a prostitute. <laughs> and he put this dress on. And, huh? What? A prostitute? No, nah, I'm not doing that. I don't feel comfortable with that. That should have been in the discussion. What? You don't feel comfortable with it. I mean, it's a hilarious bit. All the greats have done it. So, well, if all the greats have done it, it's kind of hacky, right? You're right. So why don't we just... Showing all these guys, both white and black guys, that, that are, are like... Um, even John Cena, the pro wrestler, are showing. I mean, it's just really unbelievably creepy, and it must be very, very important for Satan to have this dynamic going on. This this demasculinization, this out-of-order, unbiblical you know, the opposite of the way men should be portrayed. It's very important. Well, you look at Baphomet, the goat of Mendez. You know, it's this androgynous creature that, that, that has a goat head, female breasts, probably like hermaphroditic type of thing with male and female sexual organs and the whole nine yards. That It's very, very important for, for Satan to create this as a norm in society, this abomination the Bible says that male and female made he them. God. Okay. So Satan always wants to pervert whatever God did. Not do it. Because I don't feel comfortable wearing a dress. I'm, now I'm not wearing no dress, man. I'm funnier than a dress. Just give me something funny to say. I don't even wear no dress to be funny. Well, he's actually on Oprah right now being interviewed. What am I, Milton Berle? Blah, 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 blah. You know, we're going like this. And then finally he's like, ah, and he leaves, and then like the director comes, Dave, it really would be great if you wear the dress. Yeah, actually, earlier on it was more the white guys, but they were more prevalent in the movies, like Milton Burrow and that. They were the more the ones that were wearing dresses. And then when the black guys came more on the Hollywood scene, then it was very important to get them all in. I mean, it's just really creepy stuff. What is wrong? What is this, uh, Brokeback Mountain in here? So <laughs> <laughs> Brokeback Mountain's that movie about those two gay cowboys. Ugh. Ah, yuck! I mean, you know, I never watched it, never will, but I don't advise it. But yeah, that um, a, a love story about two gay cowboys broke back mountain. I mean, isn't that wonderful? This is just to warm your heart, you know. I've seen it in the Bible. It clearly states that homosexuality is wrong, and I feel that you are a powerful woman, and you mm -hmm. have done so much. This is Oprah. This this white girl's confronting Oprah in 1997 about the subject. If you are going to represent represent yourself as a Christian, and then you're going to go on the show and say that you also support that, it's it's double standarding. Well, I have a different view of Christian than you do. The God I serve, the God I serve, which is Satan. Care whether you're tall or short, or whether you were born um, uh, black or Asian or gay. See, I believe God created Ellen. I believe God did that. Right. And get Ellen, so he didn't put the demons in Ellen that, that, you know, made her a lesbian, though. That might have been a generational curse. It might have been because she was um, molested by a same-sex partner at an early age. 
Um, it's probably one of the, those are the biggest common denominators of people that are homosexuals, particularly the being molested by same-sex partner at an early age. Because why? Because then they get demon-infested with those same um, homosexual demons. That's why it's important for Satan to defile little kids at young ages. Because he wants to get them good and demon-infested so that they'll grow up and do the same thing and perpetuate the same behavior. He's gay. I believe God created her gay. I believe God did no. that. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. And there's no, no, there's no validity too. Where there's this thing about, well, they said it was some thing in the brain or whatever. No, that's all been disproven. The guy that was doing that research was a gay guy doing research that was totally beyond biased. We've debunked all this in previous teachings. I mean, the average gay guy in America has a 39-year lifespan, but they don't want to ever talk about that because of the of the, you know. The Bible talks about the wicked should not live out half their days. I mean, when you participate in wicked lifestyles, it shortens your lifespan in a big-time way. And gays are a great example of that. My character, Lieutenant Samets, is in a relationship with the ship's doctor, Lieutenant Hugh Culber, and it is the first time that there is a same-sex relationship depicted in a Star Trek TV series. Ugh. So the filmmakers out here are making a TV series or they're making movies, right? So the first thing they do is they write the script. The script is the first agenda in their propaganda and in their mission to, for corruption. Okay, it's the message of the script. Then they get the actors, and the actors are brainwashed over a period of time. And why is that? Because an actor will do anything they can in order to act. Most actors are very desperate. What's sad is they get a lot of children in these movies and the children start buying the propaganda. So the next... It's, show, ugh, it's showing all this garbage um, in the background of just different stars doing different things on screen or whatever. step is, now that they've kind of built their little network, they send their network out to promote the propaganda. Will Smith kissing his son literally on the mouth in some interview. And I mean, it's like really creepy, gross. And Will Smith was one of, you know, not so much now, but one of the biggest black stars ever. Probably you could argue he might be the biggest black star ever in the history of Hollywood. You know, overall, you look at the movies that guy played in. So, in order to get to that point, you got to be totally sold out to Satan. And they released the movie, which is propaganda, into the homes of the other children, into the families, and they do it by way of sending out the actors to promote the movie and talk about it on all the talk shows. So, you see, it's kind of like weaving a small web, and as the web goes out, it gets larger and larger. To the point where people are... Dude, I mean, they show Will Smith. I don't know if it's his son, but he keeps trying to kiss him on the mouth over and over and over again in these shows. It's so disgusting. Brainwashed over a period of, you know, four, five, six, ten years as Hollywood builds these propaganda movie stars. I found, when I was a 16-year-old, fresh from boarding school, going out into, you know, on the casting couch... I was definitely objectified to an extreme the kinds of roles and the kinds of things I was expected to do in auditions. I mean, I, there was one horrific incident where 
I, ha I went back for a second audition and the director asked me to sit with my legs apart. Um, the camera was, was right between, you know, positioned where it could see up my skirt to put my leg over the, the, um, the arm of the, of the chair. So this is an actress that was in a casting call type thing and this is what she was expected to do. And before I started my dialogue, think about the character that I was supposed to be having the dialogue with and, and how it felt to be made love to by this person. And I was thinking, this is so strange. Why would I need to do that? But this is the director. He is talking, you know, this is a, there's, a, there's the casting director. It the must studio. be normal. It must be normal. There's, I'm 18 years old, you know, and I'm thinking this is obviously something that, it, I, I was in a protected, in, you know, there were boundaries. And it turned out that the director who had, um, who had went on to make the film and who I was auditioning for used to show that video late at night to interested parties at his house. It's half masquerade ball, half red room for the rich and famous. Are there famous people who come to your club? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can say uh, two of them are in the Rock and Roll Hall of, Hall of Fame. I can say one of them has a talk show that um, everyone watches. Sanctum is a secretive club not only frequented by Hollywood, but also inspired by Hollywood. When owner Damon Lawner first saw the Tom Cruise movie, Eyes Wide Shut. Passwords. For Daily. Thank you, sir. I just thought, wow, it'd be really neat to walk down a path and, and try to create something like... Pretty sure the director of that movie was killed not too long after that movie was put out because they were revealing way too much in Eyes Wide Shut. I do not recommend watching that movie, but it's a very creepy Illuminati type of look into the... And I, I almost, I also believe they're very sterilized because they're, they, what they show there is the, <laughs> the very outer court level of wickedness that's going on, you know. Then you get into, like, the pedivore stuff like what Hillary Clinton's into. They don't get into that, but... You know, like that. Now his steamy soirees, profiled in a recent HBO documentary, are held monthly in his mansion near Beverly Hills. It's an interactive uh, theatrical experience. You come in, there's performers, and people are there, oftentimes to participate, but but often to watch. Membership is selective. They actually do have a, an approval process to make sure that it's all like-minded people. And once you've been so it's a real eyes wide shut type of club this guy's opened up it's invitation only it's for the Hollywood elite and it's you know it's based on that movie accept it into their club you're invited into their exclusive parties where well anything goes we got this guy uh Ralph Reicherman he's he was the bass player for the Scorpions any like German fetish parties going on later I don't go to fetish parties <laughs> I went to one one time I've seen really bad it's, they actually killed people there and stuff. He said he went to a German fetish party. They got this guy coming out of a Hollywood club. He was the uh, guitar player for the Scorpions, the rock band. And he said, I went to one once and they killed people there. I mean, he, uh, he just, they caught him. He wasn't expected to be interviewed. I'm really surprised. I don't know if maybe the guy's like either tanked up or on drugs or whatever, not really, you know, his guard's down. He wasn't expecting it. So a lot of times you'll get maybe a candid comment that you might not normally get if you know an interview is coming. They pay like up to like a hundred thousand people to see people get. They pay up to a hundred thousand dollars to see people get killed. Executed. I'm not. I'm not kidding. But I went to another one where literally I saw like the grossest. I wanted to throw up. 
You saw the grossest I wanted to throw up. It's well, disgusting. There was a big competition in Europe called the Eurovision Song Contest. If you're from the US or elsewhere, you may not have heard of it, but it's a big deal here in Europe. And this, my friends... Oh, this is so gross. This this new... This is this befalment androgynous guy that won all these things. I haven't seen him as much lately, but he's got a full beard, but he looks like a woman. It's a guy that dresses up like a woman in a dress but with a beard and this is the new normal this is the new disgusting satanic norm that they want to glorify in hollywood and this really proves so this is a song that won the eurovision contest that that he's getting ready to perform this abomination freak abomination from the pit of hell that this agenda is what's taking place i'm sure you can see straight away that this is an androgynous performer. This is part of the agenda in that the fallen are androgynous. So we see this rolled out time and time again. If any of you have seen any of the occult before, you'll know that the Baphomet figure, which is the destroyer, which is the same as all of this occult stuff, it's all one and the same thing, but just under different guises. But this is Baphomet, and you'll see that Baphomet is androgynous. They've got the female breasts and the male phallic here. As above, so below. This is all about birthing this uh, spiritual thing onto the world. And we constantly see that time and time again. This is work by Alistair Crowley. This is Baphomet again with the wings like the phoenix. And you've got the two pillars. And it's also the lineage of the overflowing of the cup of filth. The song is called Rise of the Phoenix. Now, the Rise of the Phoenix... It's almost, it's almost comical to see this abomination. A guy with a full beard, but has woman's hair, makeup like a woman, singing Rise Like a Phoenix in a dress. It's, it's almost comical, though, to look at this, to think, are, are you serious? There's somebody, there are people that actually take this seriously? And he wins this thing. I mean, this is sick. Is the rise of this thing out of the abyss. People oftentimes associate the rise of the phoenix as Jesus. But no, this is a counterfeit to Jesus. It's the rise no, of... The, that is total occult symbology, the rise of the phoenix. That has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Androgynous one. The birth of the fallen. Conchita so, Worst. That's this, this abomination's standing name. Standing in the center of the abyss, and for a brief second, it's standing in a cube. Hell is a cube. Look up Avicii. Um, but the, the cube is the nature of the prison, the trap, the abyss. And metaphorically speaking, it's singing to the audience from the abyss. And this is all about the rise of the phoenix, the rise of a satanic demonic being. And here are some of the lyrics to the song. Walking in the rubble, walking over glass. Neighbors say we're trouble. Well, that time has passed. Peering from the mirror. No, that isn't me. Stranger getting nearer. Who can this person be? You wouldn't know me at all today. From the fading light I fly. Rise like a phoenix. Out of the ashes seeking rather than vengeance. Retribution, you were warned. 
once I'm transformed, once I'm reborn, you know I will rise like a phoenix. Part of the insidious nature of this contest is that it is said to be judged by the people. So essentially, it was all of Europe that voted and chose the Balfamet. Just like any demonic entity, you have to open the door and invite them in. And as a result of these mass incantations, where there is public... And you look at what's happening in Europe now. You look at the invasion of the Muslims and the wickedness there and the political correctness and, you know, calling evil good and good evil. I'm not saying America's, you know, any angel either. But it, I think it's it's at an advanced it's it's at an accelerated they're they're further ahead of us in Europe in in some of these respects. Veneration and worship of the fallen one, the veil has been breached and legions of the serpents have been unleashed upon Europe and America, slithering into the minds of the youth. Soon, every manner of abomination will be the norm, as the spirits entice men and women to defile themselves. The transsexual actor in a movie is always the lovable, most admirable person with right. good qualities. Someone who's very easy to like. Third, you have the enforcement, where laws are passed that prevent you from vilifying such things. And then finally, you have the stage of persecution, where something becomes so normal that if you don't participate, you are either person. That's what Hollywood's all about, is normalizing all this, glorifying it to the point where, you know, they'll pass laws that, you know, you can't say anything against it or you'll be in prison type of thing. Cuted or thrown in jail. You see, it takes a long time to change the minds of a population, but it's something that is constantly happening in literature, fashion, music, and the media. A very common theme you will see amidst this androgynous agenda is the usage of Freemasonic and even Hindu teachings, with the common link between these two religious teachings being Jewish mysticism. This is about the occultist agenda behind normalizing androgyny and transsexualism, and how that in itself stems from a Luciferian principle, one that's being pushed by the globalist elite, and obviously the common link between Freemasonry and Judaism is the Kabbalah. Adept occultists believe that the god of the physical earth is the Demiurge, they believe that this demiurge, false god... Which was the main demonic character in Stranger Things. This Demogorgon. It was the main um, uh, character in that. And that I didn't know that that related to all this. It's trapped in bondage. Trapped in physicality. They also believe that the only way to ascend above this physicality is through the mystical process of destruction and rebirth. In which both masculinity and femininity are combined to ascend to a higher spiritual plane. Yeah. So gross. Through this alchemic process, one is able to cast... And the girl in Stranger Things is, pre is presented that way as a very androgynous type of... Her hair's butch, it's shaved. I mean, almost like a little boy is, is how she's almost presented, you know. Um, and she's the only one that has the power to actually deal with the Demogorgon or whatever, through her witchcraft that, that she got through MK Ultra mind control type experimentation, this witchcraft um, potential that I believe that was within her that was very much though brought out through the government and through the experimentation that they did with her. Eventuality. 
So the only thing that's going to defeat the Demogorgon is, is a higher level of witchcraft, is the whole theme of Stranger Things. Because they believe the god of the cosmos, or the spiritual world, which sits above the Demiurge, is androgynous, and is not defined by being male or female, but is a combination of the two. Right. And that's how they constantly portray, and they're showing pictures of her. You know, she's in a dress, but her hair's butch, butched up to the point where it's just like shaved, so it almost looks like a little boy in a dress. And there's other depictions of her in the Stranger Things Netflix. Netflix has just gotten so wicked and so evil. Literally, they're getting so big. Now they're coming out with all of these new independently produced shows that are pushing this agenda um, to a gigantic level. Netflix is about the most wicked thing now out there regarding uh, the agenda that they're pushing from a Hollywood standpoint. But the process of becoming androgynous requires the unshakable commitment and the courage to undergo the rebirthing journey. In the quest of wholeness, the person becomes increasingly aware that he or she is a contrasexual person, looking to join himself or herself with the energies of both the feminine and masculine modes of being human. I mean, they've got these pictures of these guys at these fashion shows. And I mean, it is so disgusting. It's like they're in mini skirts in halter top dresses and they're in with, you know, these knee-high black boots and they're going down the runway, the catwalk. I mean, it is so stinking, vile, and disgusting. And this is what is, you know, the, the thing that's in, the fashion trends or whatever, that we all need to emulate. So in hopes of understanding this and to shine a little bit of light on this, the reason for being coming androgynous goes back to the Shekinah glory, as the Talmudic mystics refer to God as being both male and female. This also becomes clearer in Kabbalism, where they refer to the cosmic primordial nature of the universe as being androgynous. So in order to rise above duality and karma, which occultists believe are traps of the Demiurge, and of the physical world, one must commit himself to the spiritual journey of becoming androgynous. Echoing Hindu... I've got a whole file on the whole Shekinah glory thing, the divine feminine. That is evil, just so you know. If anybody out there think that's good, it's not of God. It's the divine feminine. It's wicked. It's evil. You can email me and I'll, I'll, I'll send you the file there. There's a contact button on the page at contendingfortruth.com you can do that to rebirth into androgyny is the wondrous paradox it is to learn how to dance metaphorically the dance of Shiva and Shakti so I want to start today by talking about how artificial estrogen chemicals impact physically impact males and I want to end by talking about how these artificial chemicals these estrogens impact the male brain now i've done a lot of teachings on this the feminization of men in particular now it's also totally messing up the women but it's gelding and demasculating the men to a gigantic degree and um if you just key in feminization and the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com you'll probably see all the the re 
the recent teachings I've done on this particular subject and I get into a lot of the physiological aspects of it. And this is a whole other different ball of wax. This very much contributes to this whole move toward this androgynous type of combining male and female uh, movements to, to, together into this one blasphemous, disgusting, Baphomet-like normalization and motivation. Start with this paper from 2003. This goes way back to 2003. And the National Chinese Journal of Andrology published a paper called Effects of Nonalphenol on the Reproductive System of Male Animals. Nonalphenol. That's an alkylphenol. It's in this alkylphenol class. So we find this in soaps, in hand soaps, in all kinds of soaps in America. Nonalphenol. Effects on the reproductive system of male animals. That's why it's so important what kind of personal care products you're using, what you're putting on your body, uh, what shampoos you're using, the soaps you're using, the, the personal products you're using, even makes up, makeup, stuff like that. It's very, very important that you know, you're trying to stay away from as much of these xenoestrogens as possible uh, because trying to stay away from BPA... Uh, which is basically any cheap plastic container like the water bottles or milk cartons and stuff like that. I mean, if, unless it's BPA-free, you're getting a nice big dose of, of um, BPA, which is also like another xenoestrogen. They're doing this on purpose by design. It's on the receipts that we get, the, the thermal receipts that you'll get printouts on. Um, just touching them, you're getting a dose there. Uh, they're trying to kill us in a number of different ways, and I have covered this in a lot of the previous teachings. If they found that estrogenic effects made of nonalphenols, these alkylphenol chemicals, may do harm to the reproductive systems of male fish, amphibians, and mammals. So let's move forward to 2011 in the Journal of Steroid Biochemistry and Molecular Biology. I've got a paper here called Demasculinization and feminization of male gonads by atrazine. That's that herbicide, second most used herbicide in North America. Yep. Consistent effects across vertebrate, vertebrate classes. It doesn't just happen in fish. It doesn't just happen in turtles. Google confirms they are turning the frogs gay. I couldn't believe the gay frogs were such big news. So I opened up Healthy Living Blog to find out more. This is what they always go after Alex Jones about, the gay frogs. But it's actually true. What they've, the studies that have been done, the scientific studies, 100% prove that, you know, because these chemicals are being released into the, like the water supplies and into in nature, it's turning a lot of the animals gay, which is totally unnatural. Obviously, there's no, there's no benefit to that. They cannot reproduce at that point. I mean, if they're going to be attracted to the same sex, so it'll eventually lead to their extinction, and eventually that's what they want for the extinction of, of the human race as well. They had an article titled, What the Gay Frogs Tell Us About Our Water and Ourselves. They say they find themselves puzzled by recent scientific findings about the influence of endocrine disruptors on sexual behavior in male South African claw frogs. After being exposed in a laboratory environment to EPA-approved levels of atrazine, the second most commonly used herbicide in the U.S., as well as a fairly common endocrine disruptor found in water supplies, these male frogs underwent significant change in behavior. The frogs exposed to the atrazine, as opposed to the control group who weren't, started exhibiting distinct homosexual behavior. Not only did they engage in homosexual sex with one another, as the attending scientist Tyrone Hayes, PhD, said of the frogs, 
their behaviour became feminised. To be clear, they didn't just behave like females, but actually started producing eggs, which, fertilised by normal male frogs, produced male offspring. In general, if you go to an environment that's contaminated with atrazine, you find more hermaphroditic or abnormally developed males, and this hormone or endocrine disruptor, like others, poses significant risk to all populations. Atrazine induces complete feminization and chemical castration in male African clawed frogs. And And this is one of the number one pesticides they're using. So if you're eating non-organic produce in particular, you know, you're going to be getting a nice big dose of that and so you know i wish the life wasn't so complicated and there wasn't so many traps of satan out there and that's kind of why i do what i do though to warn the body of christ about these things because you're just not going to typically get these kind of warnings in your standard 501c3 church in america they're just not going to touch on these these subjects but it's very very important it's affecting us body soul and spirit well that's exactly what the globalists want I had a look at the abstract. Atrazine-exposed males were both demasculinized, chemically castrated, and completely feminized as adults. 10% of the exposed genetic males developed into functional females that copulated with unexposed males and produced viable eggs. They're not just turning the frogs gay, they're turning the frogs trans. The Pentagon confirmed to CBS 5 today military leaders once proposed building a so-called Gay bomb, a chemical weapon that could be dropped on enemy troops to make them sexually irresistible to each other. Here's CBS 5 political editor Hank Plant. Hank? Well, and you know if they're leaking this, if the Pentagon is leaking this, Pentagon, which is basically the, in, in the inner part of the, um, of the hexagram, you get a Pentagon, which is one of the ways you can drive 666 from a hexagram, which is what we, in that little trailer clip that I played earlier, the Pentagon, which is, you know, where a lot of the, you know, it's where, what, like 32 trillion or whatever went missing. We don't know. It's all black doc, uh, black ops budgets and that's hard-earned tax dollars that work there. They can lose 32 trillion. That's fine. No problem for the Pentagon to do that. They're not accountable. They don't have to answer to nobody. But don't you dare not pay every dime into the IRS that funds your own destruction and basically goes into the UN and into these black doc black ops projects and they don't have any accountability whatsoever and they're they're devising all of these different ways to kill off humanity it was an air force lab that proposed this to the pentagon officials and it was a berkeley-based watchdog group that found out about this strange idea for a weapon oh i'm sorry this is the the pentagon is would be the inner the inner part of a uh pentagram Okay, whereas a hexagon would be the inner part of a hexagram. Okay, so I was a little off there. They're both totally wicked, though. Whether you're dealing with a pentagram or a hexagram, they're, they're both high-level, uh, very wicked symbols of witchcraft. Edward Hammond of Berkeley's Sunshine Project tracks military spending. He used the Freedom of Information Act to obtain this proposal from the Air Force's Wright Laboratory to build what's been called a gay bomb. The weapons proposal says... One distasteful but completely non-lethal example would be strong aphrodisiacs, especially if the chemical also caused homosexual behavior. The Ohio Air Force lab proposed that a bomb be developed that contained a chemical that would cause um, enemy soldiers to become gay. 
The Air Force lab asked for $7.5 million to develop such a bomb. The notion was that a chemical that would probably normally be present in the human body in low quantities could be identified and by virtue of either breathing or having their skin exposed to this chemical, the notion was that uh, soldiers would become gay. The Pentagon confirms that such a proposal was made, but rejected as part of the military search for non-lethal weapons. The Pentagon has used it repeatedly, subsequently, in efforts to promote non-lethal weapons, and in fact they submitted it to the highest uh, scientific review body in the country for them to consider. This gay bomb. That's correct. Where was the meeting of, of that one meeting that I had showed where they were? the guy was there in a thing, and it was called the Funvax, because it took away any kind of fundamental religious impulses. So you could take somebody that's a Christian um, and, and vac vaccinate them via an aerosol from the air and drop it on them, and basically it's going to take out the part of the brain that, that essentially regulates... Um, fundamental religious thought. So they, they're, they're, basically it would be like lobotomizing a Christian where he would have no more impulse toward God or whatever. And they were, they've developed that. And just key in Funvax, just one word, F-U-N-V-A-X, done like I think a couple different studies on that one. And that was, a, 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 um, that was at the Pentagon. And then you even played you the, the actual footage from it. This is Satan's plan all along, to get society to become more deplorable and to corrupt the minds of our children. If you brainwash the children at an early age to accept this, then you'll have generations to come that will resort back to the Babylonian days. I would tell my children, as, as I, I tell them what I believe myself, and uh, dealing with these social issues, whether it's uh, abortion what or gay marriage. What do you, what do you believe? I believe that marriage was defined uh, by God a long time ago. Marriage is almost as old as dirt, and it was defined in the garden between Adam and Eve, one man, one woman, for life, uh, till death do you part. So I would never attempt to try to redefine marriage, and I don't think anyone else should either. So do I support uh, the idea of gay marriage? No, I don't. Do you think homosexuality... Very well put. That's Kirk Cameron. Silence is a sin. I think that it's, uh, it's, 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 it's unnatural. I think that it's, it's, it's detrimental and uh, ultimately destructive to so many uh, of the foundations of civilization. So what do you do if one of your six kids says, Dad, bad news, I'm gay? It's all these gotcha questions that, that these, these maggots like this want to put this Piers Morgan devil always want to try to put people into, you know, box them into a corner and, oh, I got you, I got you, Christian, you know, I'm, what are you going to do now? Down and I'd have a heart-to-heart -heart with them, just like you would with your kids. I, I'd talk if, to I them about... that, if one of my sons said that, I'd say, that's great, son. That's well, because happy. you're a reprobate maggot. What would you say? Well, I wouldn't say that's great, son, as long as you're happy. I'm going to say, uh, you know, there's, there's all sorts of issues that we need to wrestle through in our life, and just because you feel one way doesn't mean we should act on everything that we feel. But it's and yet, not only some on. people would say that telling kids that being gay is a sin or getting married it's is not, a sin. But the Bible says that, and that's all that really matters, you know, and it says it in the Old and the New Testament. In the Old, it was death sentence. You know, they took you out and they stoned you, okay? It's, it's 
condemned in the New Testament as well. And this is why California is trying to outlaw and ban the Bible for that exact issue. Now, how far that goes, I don't know, but they're doing stuff out in California now that I've never, ever, I mean, it's just gonzo crazy insanity out there now. Not all Bibles, I would have to say, because there's so many horrible ones and New Age ones would even get into that. There are some gay-friendly Bibles. I don't know whether they'll just come out and say, well, it's just the King James Bible, which is what I fully expect at some point. That will be the main target. Because the King James Bible is, is would take the hardest stance against, you know, homosexual behavior than any other version. The sin or whatever. That in itself is incredibly destructive and damaging in a country where seven states now have legalized it. So what? Yes, but, but you have to also understand that, that you yourself are using a standard of morality exactly. to say that telling people such and such of a, of a behavior is sinful. Um, uh, you, you're using a standard of morality to make that statement and say that that is terribly destructive. So right. everyone is going to have a standard against no, no, which no, no, they... No, no, listen, listen, I'm not an American. I'm making the point that seven states in America have now legalized so gay marriage. I could care less. Well, Piers, you're... you're they're, they're, it's, it's a wicked, unjust law. The Bible talks about that they frameth mischief by a law. They're unjust, evil laws. And if, if the government is telling you to do something and it's going against the word of God, you obey the word of God. You're speaking to a man who is a Christian, and I believe that all of us are sinful. Uh, I, 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 would, I could stand at the top of the list and say that I need a Savior, and I need an overhaul of the heart Amen more to that. than anyone. And so that's what I teach my kids. I teach them the values that I hold dear. I treasure the God that loves me and, and forgives me of my sin. And I would teach that to my children, uh, as well as having a wonderful relationship with them that my wife and I work on every single day. So your value system, my value system, we're all going to pick a standard against which we, we judge more uh, behavior. More. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Father, I pray now that you'd anoint the messenger as this holy word goes forth. And it will not return into you void, but it will accomplish that which you please. It will prosper in the thing whereto you sent it. In thy blessed name I pray. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter number 10 verse 3 said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. A stronghold is a point of operation from where Satan can keep the unbeliever captive or the believer incapacitated. In 2 Timothy chapter number 2 and verse 26, the scripture says, And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Watch this now. This is important. Who are taken captive by him at his will. The unsaved man has no defense. So that would be like with gay people recovering themselves from the snare. There are, there are a lot of gay people that have come out of that life. They've been delivered from that and got saved. I have listeners. Okay, so I'm the, there's nothing too great for God. The unsaved man has no protection. The unsaved man has no fortress or no one to flee to except the Lord Jesus Christ, who he has already rejected. The apostles declares that there is a war raging in your mind. And my friend, you're going to have to fight that war. 
And this Bible says that it is truly a fight. 1 Timothy 1.18, the apostle said, I charge thee, I commit to thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. When you go to war, you don't play games. When you go to war, it's very serious. So the scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse 34, the hall of the heroes of faith, they quench the violence of fire, they escaped the edge of the sword, and out of weakness were made strong, and they waxed valiant in fight. The scripture says to fight the good fight of faith. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4 verse 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. So like it or not, we are in a struggle and in a battle. And nothing is going to change that until Christ comes to get us. If you love the Lord Jesus Christ and you're genuine this morning and your faith is real, I'm not talking about some great champion of faith. I'm simply talking about real faith. It's what you believe real. It may be small. It may be like a limber. It may be flickering. It may be ready to go out. Your faith may be dying. But if it's real faith, it's real faith. Amen. I was said the Lord Jesus Christ comes, and he did come, and as he ministers, a smoking flax will he not quench. A a timber, an ember, a quivering ember, he will not put out. He did not come to destroy your faith. He came to increase your faith. Amen. And to give you faith to walk with God. Praise the Lord. I'm glad today that God said, for whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. I'm glad he said he tasted death for every man. I'm glad the Bible said the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Amen. Amen. Every man, for whosoever will. Let him come and take of the water of life freely. I'm glad I live there because I know me. And though if it's left up to me, I'd never make it. I'm glad, thank God, for the one that carries me, helps me, strengthens me, feeds me, gives me my life. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for him. <laughs> Amen. Woo. That's good preaching. <laughs> Please leave your comments down in the comment section below. Don't forget to like. Okay, and so that's the... Um... That it was from Shattered Paradise is the ministry that put that out. There was a brief clip in the middle that I didn't play. It was it was about this rapper. It was just some inappropriate stuff in it. I didn't even want to get into, but um, yeah. So we have that, and um, it's just one aspect about what we're facing now. This next video is entitled Bush Family Secrets Exposed and I thought this is appropriate with the death of Barbara Bush if she actually died it was closed casket I don't know I, I wonder I, I I wonder I, I um, I'm not a hundred percent sure then Bush senior having that thing right after she died and you know he could be going that John McCain supposedly going to be going here any second and a lot of these people seem to be um potentially exiting on their way out i don't know whether that is their fleeing to underground bases under this guise whether it's answer to prayer meaning god judging the wicked i don't i, I don't want to obviously um believe that i mean obviously i i um 
have the faith to believe that God could be doing all of this and that he is judging them. And I have prayed that God would judge the wicked. I pray that if it be possible, their soul be saved. But if they're just going to continue in wickedness and they're going to continue defiling humanity, these devils like Hillary Clinton, well, I pray God cleanse the world of those devils so that they cannot further perpetuate their wickedness, particularly against children and the innocent. And they're the ones that are behind all the stuff that we talked about here with the, with the feminization of, 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 of men and all these chemicals that they're in the vaccines and all this other stuff. They're the ones that are firmly behind all this stuff. So let's go ahead and get into this video here. Hey guys, how's it going? For three generations, the Bush family has pledged a secret oath to a mysterious order known as the Skull Bones. It's one of the most exclusive and notorious secret societies in the world, recruiting the elite of the elite from among the junior ranks of Yale University. Skull and Bones is a satanic death cult for bloodline families, formerly known as the Brotherhood of Death, and it certainly lives up to its namesake. Every year when new members are initiated... Some of the most major players in the world, former president, I mean, both, both Bush presidents and, and, um, have been members of the Skull and Bones from Yale. And um, it is probably the ultimate collegiate secret society on the, probably on the planet as far as the elite level membership that they have. Screams and chanting are heard echoing from the society's secured compound called the Tomb. He was part of a team that successfully recorded part of the initiation ceremony that takes place in the Tomb's court. They're recording it. It's it's a it's a pretty grainy video, but you can see when you hear these blood curdling screams. This is just from the initiation that they have to go through. Now, there's some stuff in this video that we're going to be getting into and it's it's only i don't know we got about 15 minutes to go here uh it's not kid friendly so if you have children or whatever you might want to they, they don't need to be probably hearing uh what we're going to be getting into here because uh it's pretty crazy what goes on there and what did you hear what, what was it you know you managed to get this unique oh it was disgusting it was gross. I mean, they were pretending to murder people. What was the tone of it, though? Was it was it jokey? Or was it quite... No, it wasn't jokey at all. It was. It was. Sick. This was during the initiation. It's about the only can describe it. It was sick. They're filming it, and you can see them. I mean, it's just. It's insanity. It's absolute total insanity, and um, they were able to actually film film it and get this on audio what you're hearing is the first recording ever made of the skull and bones initiation ceremony it has never been broadcast before fifteen new members of the club are being introduced into the macabre rituals of skull and bones by the senior students who are about to graduate the club has what some might see as a strange fascination with death, skulls and bones. There's the chance too, difficult to hear first of all, but including the devil equals death and death equals death. During the initiation, 
ritual members are forced to kiss the skull of Geronimo. Then drink what they claim to be fake blood from a skull. The daring student was surprised by what he saw inside the fountain. There was actually some sort of red residue in the fountain, which I imagined to be blood. But I have a feeling they do some strange rituals in, with the fountain. These two skeletons look like they're hushing people in some way. They're showing actual images from inside, and it shows these skeletons like dressed up like Santa Muerte with these cloaked skeletons, the angel of death, that are saying with like their fingers over their mouths, like, don't say anything, you know, this is all secret, you don't broadcast this stuff. Uh, drinking blood out of a human skull um, is also what is required when you're a 33rd degree Freemason when you go to Washington, D.C. to get initiated. Now, granted, I'm pretty sure that it's wine that they drink in that particular initiation, but it's out of a real human skull. And um, whether it's actually real blood in this particular initiation, who, you know, it's hard to say for sure, but it's, it's wicked. During their initiation, candidates must recount all their sexual exploits. Finally, they are expected to perform various oaths, kiss some feet, and drink blood. They then have to lie naked in a coffin, and, after masturbating in full view of the others, swear to never reveal their membership of the order. But see, this is why they do this garbage, because they're recording all this. So if you ever get out of line in the future, they're going to have all this recorded. And, you know, you, they're going to have enough to, you know, <laughs> ruin you beyond belief if you ever get out of line in the future. And this is why they do this initially when you go in, because then they've got you right where they want you right off the bat, basically for the rest of your life. The Skull and Bones initiation process featured prominently in the 2006 movie The Good Shepherd. Starring Matt Damon. Skull and bones. Accept or reject? Accept. And also, he's dressed up there. It looks like, like this transgender. It looks like cross-dressing. Um, in one of the movies they had just quoted from the last video, they showed him in a very gay role that he was playing as well. So he's he's another one that has gotten a ton of roles, and, and a lot of that is because of what he's been willing to do the characters he's been willing to play, um, and whatever allegiances and oaths he's taken to Satan is, is a big reason he's gotten as, as big as he has. But few Americans realize that both father and son have already taken an oath to a mysterious and powerful secret society known as Skull and Bones. George H.W.'s father, Prescott, was the first generation of Bushes to be tapped to join. Prescott made millions funding Hitler during World yeah. War II. He the was basically the, one of the biggest financial backers of Hitler. Prescott Bush. Okay. So it's no wonder that we, after World War II, through Project Paperclip, we got the be their best minds, their, their most satanic minds, I should say, the Dr. Mengele and, and these types from like Auschwitz and all of the death camps and the rocket scientists and people like that and brought them over via Project Paperclip through the rat line and then they worked for us and got to the highest levels in our government 
And the Bushes are just one example of that Nazi-like type of, of control that, that has gotten control of this government. Directly profiting from concentration camp slave labor. I became the first journalist in U.S. history to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt or any refutation of the facts that Prescott Bush, the grandfather of George W. Bush, and George Herbert Walker, his maternal great-grandfather for whom his daddy is named, were Nazi traitors to the country who should have been tried for treason. It was he who ransacked the grave of Native American legend Apache Chief Geronimo and took his skull back to Skull and Bones headquarters. That's how they got the skull from Prescott Bush. He grave robbed Geronimo's grave. And I mean, it's like common knowledge, and you would think the Indians would, would, that tribe would be going crazy trying to get that skull back, yet they've, they never have. If, if, they've, if they've made a fuss about it, they've never been able to get it back. It's just, I don't know, really macabre stuff where it has been used for their rituals ever since. Among the other items found at the tomb are genuine Nazi relics and occult regalia. Alexandra Robbins, a Yale graduate and author of a book on the subject, stated that the society owns a valuable collection of Nazi objects and memorabilia and eats its dinners off Hitler's private silver service. So that's how, if you go into the Skull and Bones, you're going to eat dinner off Hitler's private silver service, off his private plates with swastikas on them. And, and it's because Prescott, who was one of the, you know, main ones that, that, you know, he's the one that got Geronimo's skull. He was the one, the main one that funded Hitler. Um, he was all a part of this and it perpetuated up through what it is today. So it has a very Nazi-like theme to it. A large part of their liturgy is written in German. But if you thought that was weird, the Bush family is about to get a lot more bizarre. For years, rumors have swirled among alternative researchers and conspiracy circles that Barbara Bush, George W.'s mother, could be the daughter of Aleister Crowley. The notorious 20th century occultist admired by the satanic elite. The notion is roundly ridiculed by mainstream sources. However, the historical circumstances are nonetheless correct for this to have occurred. So much so, that a British documentary about Crowley entitled In Search of the Great Beast devoted a segment to the rumor and explains how Barbara Bush's mother met Aleister Crowley. Not long afterwards, she was pregnant with Barbara who bears a striking resemblance to Crowley. I mean, you look at those two, they show pictures of them side by side at a similar age, and I mean, they look like, you know, they could be brothers and sisters. Really creepy, both of them, and um, very, very striking resemblance. By 1924, Crowley was living in poverty in France. An old friend and famous literary figure and occultist, Frank Harris, kindly took him under his roof. Frank Harris lived with a woman by the name of Nellie O'Hara. If what has been written in later years can be believed, Nellie had a friend in America, Pauline Pierce, who was married to Marvin Pierce, head of the McCall Corporation. In early 1924, Pauline traveled to France to stay with her friend. 
Thus it was that four individuals came together. Frank Harris, Nellie O'Hara, Pauline Pierce, and Alistair Crowley. According to Crowley's diaries, during this period in Paris, Crowley underwent the supreme ordeal linked with his realization of the grade of Ipsissimus. According to a description of the rite, on the appointed day, the candidate is attended by one or more chosen and experienced attendants whose duty is A. To exhaust him sexually by every known means B. To rouse him sexually by every known means Every device and artifice of the courtesan is to be employed and every stimulant known to the physician. If Crowley did go through this ordeal in 1924... It's a high-level satanic witchcraft rite, is what they're describing. ...that it is highly likely, based on his previous experiences, that his closest associates of that time, including Nellie and Pauline, performed as his magical assistants. Pauline Pierce returned to America... And so Pauline was one of these assistants that assisted Aleister Crowley in this sexual rite and most likely she got impregnated after right afterward when she returned to America she was pregnant the October of 1924 eight months later on June the 8th 1925 she gave birth to a girl named Barbara Barbara Pierce married George H.W. Bush who eventually became the 41st president of the United States. And these occultists don't marry people unless there's some huge occultic significance. Bloodlines are everything. So they must have been well aware that this was Aleister Crowley's uh, demon seed spawn, Barbara Bush, and somebody like, um, you know, George W. Bush Sr. And, and his dad, Prescott Bush, they're not going to just let their kids marry anybody willy-nilly. There's going to be a specific occult reason, and, there, and there's just no way that some lady like this, that they would have just, you know, supposedly fell in love and got married. There had to be bloodline reasons that they had to have already known about, already verified, and this is the only thing that would make sense. So literally, Barbara Bush is the um, demon seed um, spawn offspring of Aleister Crowley. And they had a son, George W. Bush, the 43rd president of the United States. Could the All Skull and Bone members, Prescott, George, George Sr., George Jr., with their demon seed um, mother in the mix, Barbara Bush, Aleister Crowley spawn. This man in the world, Aleister Crowley, be George W. Bush's grandfather. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a wonderful family story? I will be eager to see what you guys think about this in the comments section. For most women, a miscarriage is a devastating and deeply personal experience. But Barbara Bush crossed the line into the macabre when she kept her miscarried fetus preserved in a jar and casually showed it off to her sons. Mm -hmm. She says you gave him special permission to write about it. He wrote that when you once had a mis miscarriage, you showed him the fetus in the jar. Now, really, we the touched on is, it before, uh, but you Paolo didn't elaborate. Put it in the jar. What? Paolo, it's not in the library. No, I know. George, Paolo put so it. So the, the fetus isn't isn't in a jar in the library, but it's in a jar. She's she's getting interviewed by Larry King, 
Bush Sr. is on, is, her husband is sitting right next to her. This is Barbara Bush. This is an interview on CNN by Larry King, and they're openly admitting that after she had a miscarriage, they kept it in a jar. So that's not that's not too messed up. Jar. And my mom is a, I mean, what I learned was she's a straightforward person. She says to her teenage kid, here's a fetus. Here's a fetus. That's, okay, so that's George Jr., okay? And he's, he's, he's describing, my mom showed me, here's the fetus, here's the jar. He's interviewed by Matt Lowry here, another big interview. And so I guess they don't want this to be a secret or whatever. Who else but Aleister Crowley's daughter would keep their own fetus displayed in a jar? Ugh. Lord have mercy. Recently, several women have accused the father, H.W. Bush, of sexual assault, some of whom were underage at the time, hinting at a much darker Bush secret alternative researchers and whistleblowers have been speaking about for quite some time. It was June 29, 1989. The Washington Post front page headline revealed that quote-unquote callboys had been taken on midnight tours of Bush Sr.'s White House. And if Washington doesn't have enough to talk about these days, the Washington Times reported today that unidentified White House aides in the Carter, Reagan, and Bush administrations now are being investigated for using the services of a callboy ring. The paper reports that two of the male prostitutes were given a late-night tour of the White House last year. One of those boys was Paul Bonacci, an underage sex-trafficking victim who was later awarded $1 million in federal court against his trafficker. So in other words, his story is legitimate. Between December 1980 and 1980, the complaint alleges the defendant King continually subjected the plaintiff uh, to repeated sexual assaults, false imprisonments, infliction of extreme emotional distress, organized and directed satanic rituals, forced the plaintiff to scavenge for children to be part of the defendant's the defendant his last name is King, King's sexual abuse and pornography ring forced the plaintiff to engage in numerous masochistic orgies with other minor children. The defendant, King's default, has made those allegations true against him. Uh, the issue now is in the relief to be granted monetarily. He claims to have witnessed George H.W. Bush at elite D.C. parties, where he and other children were passed around. I've seen... Uh, some part of Washington has seen President Bush there. So they're interviewing him. He says, I've seen, it's kind of, the, the, the audio is not that great. I just want to make sure you hear it. But he says, I saw President Bush there. I, you know, and I mean, again, this is very reminiscent of, of, of this tape then that was released with Hillary on, on the dark web with Huma, Huma and Hillary. And, and this is just routine. This is routine. This is what these types of devils do. This is what they do for fun. This is what they do to please Satan, and this is how they they operate. What what when what year was that? Was he president was or vice president? Vice president. That's when he was still vice president. And I've never met him as president because he became president in '88, and I never went around him. So he knew he knew Bush Senior when he was vice president to Reagan, and after that he became president, and then he stopped being a call boy um, in that. Once he became president, how many of these parties? I see him at about three or four parties because the vice president was there, so they had to have all the secret service. I didn't meet up with him. He was with a black kid and he was with a white kid. 
two separate parties, one for the white kid and one with the, one for the black kid. You never yeah. see saw him twice. Yeah. And the kid had to perform all the sex on him. <laughs> and what happened after they finished? He's getting all choked up. They made him perform. I, I guess these cowboys had to perform oral sex on uh, George Bush Sr. And uh, only God knows what else. That's probably the least of what happened. He's got up and left him. I've been writing in my books now since 19... Now, I'm not endorsing David Icke here, but regarding what they're going to cover here, it's, it's, you know, it's true. 98 that Father George Bush is a notorious pedophile, child torturer, child killer, yep. and serial killer of adults as well. They all are. Said it on American radio, still waiting for a response. And, and, and this, this is one example, a, a lady who became a friend of mine, Kathy O'Brien, who was in the American government mind control. Okay, Trans Kathy O'Brien, who we heard in the previous recent study, the, who wrote Transformation of America, her website is www.trance, the hyphen symbol, formation.com, at least at the time of this recording. And um, she was the one that detailed all the sexual affairs of, of Dick Cheney and, and um, Hillary Clinton in particular and Bill Clinton and, and um, George Bush um, Jr. I don't know if she ever had any dealings with George Sr., uh, but definitely she had it with Reagan, and um, she detailed all of that. Very, very credible. Her, her information just becomes more true by the day as more of this stuff comes out. It validates everything that not only she says, but that I have been reporting on about these six satanic scum for as long as I've pretty much been in ministry, or when I first started covering this type of, type of information. And this is a big reason I, I couldn't be allowed to stay on something like Sermon Audio. They're not going to allow, they might allow mention, but if you start to just key on in on this stuff, and you start to really go against people that are, I mean, a lot of people thought that, you know, I remember I was in church one time back in Florida, and I was at a Baptist church, and I mean, this guy who I love, a guy named Stan, <laughs> he said something about um, George Bush Jr. when he was president, and, and, and it was something that was well known, it wasn't even anything really that hardcore, and, and it, but it was, it was alarming, it was shocking, and, and he turned to me, he says, you mean Brother Bush? Like he's a brother Christian in Christ, and Stan was a guy that, I mean, was, I really looked up to this guy. I mean, just a gentle, wonderful, nice, but it just, he was just very uneducated about the true inner workings and goings. And I think it's, I had all of these cumulative things happen to me over time that I saw in the church when I was in the church. And it's really what inspired me ultimately to ultimately come out and start this ministry because I'm like, man, I, I can't just, I can't let this go. I just can't sit on this type of information. I've got to go edu try to educate the body of Christ. And if I myself end up just being an island and nobody wants to deal with me or talk to me or whatever, I'm like, well, as long as I'm doing what God wants me to do, then so be it. You know, because I can't just sit on this type of information. It's so obvious. It's so flagrant. It's so in your face. And regardless of if it's not 
very palatable or very fun to hear, Christians need to understand the kind of evil and wickedness that we're under. Project since she was a kid and uh, met her many times. She still corresponds with me now and again. And I've met a daughter that she was talking about. Lovely, lovely girl, totally shattered by these people. And that's one example of millions and millions that are going on around the world. Yes. And this is what she said in a book, Transformation of America. Kelly's bleeding rectum was but one of many physical indicators of George Bush's pedophile perversions. I have overheard... This is George Bush Sr. So her daughter, her little daughter, who, you know, she had been impregnated, you know, and um, she had her daughter. And then what they'll always do is they'll, is they'll use your children, your offspring against you to say, okay, you better toe the line or we're going to do this to your daughter. And she underwent even more brutal mind controlling because the mind controlling her daughter underwent was even further along than what Kathy had been subjected to because they satanically progress in their methods, in their methodology. So this is what she's talking about in her book about George, good old George Bush Sr., the, the son of Prescott Bush who married Aleister Crowley's daughter, Barbara Bush. This is what he he has to say or she does let him speak blatantly of his sexual abuse of her on many occasions he used this and threats to her life to pull my strings and control me the psychological ramifications of being raped by a pedophile president are mind shattering enough but reportedly bush further reinforced the traumas to kelly's mind with sophisticated nasa electronic and drug mind control devices Bush also instilled the who you're going to call and I'll be watching you binds on Kelly, further reinforcing her state of helplessness. The systematic tortures and trauma that I um, endured as a child now seem trite by comparison. They're not. I know what she went through. Uh, to the brutal physical and psychological devastation that George Bush inflicted on my daughter. And that's just one of these people on, uh, uh, involving one of the victims of this. The rabbit so this is an example of like David Icke. That's a really good thing he just said. You can glean from that, but you gotta be careful with some of the other stuff he gets because David Icke is a Christ-hating dude. Okay, and he teaches a lot of New Age stuff. When he first made his big debut, he said he was basically the return of Christ. He said that, and and that's literally. And then he then he backed off that, and then he got into more what he is now, and it's like so the guy is not led of God, but he's there's definitely a level of truth that he gets into that you can glean from, but you got to be super careful with that that dude. Here goes deep, but it seems Bush Senior and the CIA were using these children as part of a honeypot operation to blackmail certain politicians. See, this has just been going on. This whole thing with Comet Pizza and, and uh, Besta Pizza and Comet Ping Pong and all this stuff, that it, it's, it's all interwoven into Washington, D.C., that slimy sewage pit of hell. The college is there, the restaurant's there, the, I know I'm not saying every restaurant, but so much of what goes on there is interrelated and supports one another. And all the corrupt politicians and all that garbage is there to protect that whole institution so that's that's what's going on november 22nd 1963 a day no american alive will ever forget the news blasted across every radio bulletin in the nation and soon the world <laughs> 
This is Edwin Newman in the NBC newsroom in New York. This information from Dallas. Two priests who were with President Kennedy say he is dead of bullet wounds. This is the latest information we have from Dallas. President John F. Kennedy had been shot dead in Dallas, Texas. The nation was stunned. No one could forget where they were that day. No one except for George Bush Sr., that is, who conveniently claims he doesn't remember where he was that fateful. No, he doesn't remember at all. Like, if you lived in that time era, and that's before my time, you're, you're going to remember where you were at when the president, when JFK got shot. Okay, you're going to remember that. It's going to be burned into your memory banks. But, you know, George Bush Sr., he can't seem to recall where he was that day. I don't know. He just doesn't remember at all. Convenient because a picture taken at the scene shows a man bearing a likeness to him outside of the school book deposit. Literally, it's totally him. You can see it's it's him. Um, he's e They've even got a picture to compare it to of him in the same exact stance where his right hand is in his pocket. I mean, it's just the exact, it's the guy. And it's literally, he's standing in front of the Texas book depository where the supposed shooting happened. It was all a CIA op. Bush claims he wasn't in the CIA at the time of the Kennedy assassination. But a declassified FBI memo from 1963 names a quote, George Bush of the CIA. <laughs> when asked about the Liar. memo, he replied, it must have been some other George Bush. Oh, please. Yeah. Kennedy had vowed to destroy the CIA. Yep. Break it into a thousand pieces and scatter it to the wind. Later at LB yeah, Among other things, he, he wanted to do a lot of really good things. I heard there was rumors I heard he got saved at the end. I don't know. But if he really did... It would make sense as to why they would want to kill him. Because that was just one of the things he wanted to do. He had to be taken out. Jay's memorial, Bush couldn't restrain a laugh as he referred to the deranged gunman who supposedly shot Kennedy. America. After a deluded gunman, Okay, so he says, after deluded gunman, and then he starts laughing in the speech. You almost have to watch this to appreciate it. After a deluded gunman, ha <laughs> ha. And then he and then he 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 becomes somber again. He literally laughs. Why would you laugh when you're talking about a deluded gunman during a very solemn speech? Why would you laugh? Because he can't contain himself. Because he's so demon possessed of the toenails, and he knows he had everything to orchestrating it. He pulled it off, so he wants to have a little chuckle in there just to kind of rub rub our noses in it. Assassinated President Kennedy, great deluded gunman. Shows a close-up of the smile. He loves it. Today, far from sitting on the sidelines, the Bushes are still a powerful Illuminati bloodline family, known to attend Bohemian Grove rituals and wield a great deal of power. 90 years of serving Satan. Happy 90th birthday. Almost time to meet your master, devil. This is why I think it's really super important for all of us to pray specifically against these devil bloodlines. I know I feel like I've been convicted a lot more to do that. The Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the Carnegies, the DuPonts, the Bushes, the Obamas, the Clintons, all of these devils to specifically zero in prayers on them. I mean, it's spiritual warfare, right? The state 
So let me know what you guys think about this real-life Adams family. Ugh. Do you think Barbara Bush is really the daughter of Alistair Crowley? Yes, Crowley? I do. What about the fetus they keep in a jar? Mm. Be sure to like and subscribe, and I want to thank my patrons over at Patreon. Just sick, sick. I mean, the most sick, sadistic, vile creatures have been the presidents over this country for, like, decades now at this point. This is the this is the day and time we find ourselves in, unfortunately. So that's all I have for part two. I'm over time here. So we will go to part three next. God bless you.